Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 370 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined on occasion and fortunately today by our very favorite tournament director, White Collar Willie Sailor. He's in Indianapolis, Pennsylvania. For the beginning of... It's not Indianapolis. I know. That's Thank you. That's the joke. Uh, Indianapolis, Pennsylvania, where Flow Nationals has started uh, perfectly in sync with the beginning of FRL, which I know you love. It's great. It's a seamless transition. First whistle just went off. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going well so far. You, you, you know, know... We're three seconds into it. I can say the tournament is now officially it's a success. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I, I like... Uh, you know, we started the show a little bit late. Well, we do that kind of anyways, typically. But this time it was because the na- you guys were honoring America for the national anthem. What if we started right. every FRL with the national anthem? I'd be fine. I'd be 100% fine with uh, playing the national anthem before every every FRL, honoring the troops. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm actually kind of I'm kind of into it. I think we should do it more often. Uh, maybe once a, qu- once a quarter we honor America. We would, I think we would be the only podcast that does that. We should. We should. We should honor America. You know what? Now that I think about it, Greco starts today. That is Chael Sonnen's favorite style of, of wrestling. Uh, okay, so he, he kind of seamlessly uh, wove it into the show here. But Chael versus Jordan Burroughs, Chael versus Willie Saylor. Um, I don't know which which is going to happen first, but just play a little catch up. I'll play Hopefully a little catch up. Yeah, that wouldn't go well. Um, but here's here's a little catch up. Jordan Burroughs on Bader's show, and then with Ariel, kind of said, "Hey, I'd like to do a fight." I don't I don't know how much he was really being serious. But I I, I kind of read it as like, "Yeah, I'd just like to do it one time, just to see." But he kind of did say, "I'd like to do a fight sometime," right? So. Chael Sonnen tweets, hey, UFC Fight Pass, $50,000. Um, got you, got you, I'll get you a fight lined up, Jordan. Jordan says, no thanks, add a zero. Okay. Chael apparently did not appreciate this. Uh, and I didn't. Went, and went on Ariel Helwani's show. Well, it's actually his show. It's his show and Ariel's show. They do it all the time. And... He kind of went scorched earth on Jordan Burroughs. He said a lot of well, stuff. What? Yeah, I have I have multiple. He went he went scorched earth on Jordan Burroughs. He also to me that I know that Chael loves. I know that Chael loves wrestling, but he really slapped wrestling in the face. In my I mean I don't even I shouldn't say my opinion. Uh, he said what he said. Yeah, he, he, towards the end, it was a little, um, you're red and you're green and put your little singlet on. And that it was a little bit like kind of a shot at, at the sport as a whole because we wear singlets in wrestling and it's red versus blue. Um, you know, I, I didn't know I didn't know about that, but I, there is some, uh, here's here's part of it, Willie. I, I think he, he, he's going to get the wrestling community all up in arms. This, But this is Chael Sonnen. This is his thing he says things I right he said he said hey it. this guy f- fed a, a bus a carrot right he says ridiculous stuff now did I he maybe it. take First, it a little let's, far let's be clear i have always loved chill son uh 
I I was like the dude from Saturday Night Live uh, when when uh, Rod Burgundy got fired. When Rod Burgundy Burgundy said "f you San Diego," right? You, you poophead! I hate you, Rod Burgundy. That's how I was to Anderson Silva when Anderson Silva beat Chael Sonnen because I love Chael Sonnen, and I know he talks a talk. I, I think he's one of the, as good a talker as Muhammad Ali. I mean, the guy's a genius at it. But listen, there's there's hyping things up and there's defending things and there's making storylines, and then there's slapping you in the face. And he not only he not only marginalized Jordan Burroughs' value. He not only talked about wrestler and wrestling like it was a second tier sport and a, and a inferior sport, but he also marginalized the value of all wrestlers and their import to UFC. Chael, you might want to look at your roster. Your roster is full of two things. By the way, your roster, I say your roster because you made it very clear when you said, Jordan, keep your singlet on. My sport don't need you, okay? So your sport, your sport of MMA, your sport of UFC, your roster is filled with three things. One, you got some BJJ guys in there. The other is filled with wrestlers who are the champions of almost every weight class and a bunch of tomato cans that are 21 and 15 and fight every three days and don't move the needle. So if wrestlers don't have value in your sport, who the freak does? Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think the the UFC and, and MMA in general is a little they're, – they're a little full of themselves. They're, they're not really that good at, at making stars. That's why they're, they're retreading Brock Lesnar, and that's why Chael Sonnen is still getting fights way past his relevance. And, and they are so – they have a sport that's like completely dependent or – largely dependent on Conor McGregor coming back and not being a disaster. Like they, they are um, not rife with a lot of talented people that move the needle in my opinion. Right. The one guy that they had that was great. They, they got rid of Demetrius Johnson, right? One of the greatest fighters they've ever had because a lot of them don't, don't move the needle. So uh, for him to say that, Hey, this wrestler won't, I, I think I listen all Bottom right. line, yeah. hold on. I mean, Bottom line is Chael knows that Jordan would move the needle. He knows that, right? Now, is I there a so. is there a thing is there a thing of where maybe he thinks, "Hey man, you don't know what the uh you don't understand reality. You don't know know the real world and what you're actually worth." Okay. And what he's actually worth and what he's actually worth to wrestling, what he's worth to MMA or maybe two different things. He may be worth more to take a wrestling match or wrestling in a tournament than he is in the UFC right now. But the the, well, the trump that's... card in this argument for all eternity is the fact that CM Punk got seven figures. He's a fake wrestler, and he kind of made a mockery of the entire thing. It's like, you know, sports are supposed to be this meritocracy. You have a fake wrestler just getting a fight because he has a, a large following. Yeah, so on Twitter last night, like me and Chell going back and forth, I think one thing that got lost in it is I was upset at – Chael going on. There's a few things, right? One, I was clearly upset with Chael going on worldwide leader sports and dissing wrestling and dissing Jordan Burroughs. Um, the second thing, on Twitter it kind of got twisted, and the second thing uh, and the tertiary thing became the primary thing in it, and they are what is Jordan Burroughs worth and how much money does he make in this and that. The bottom line is, First of all, you're, I think a lot of people are vastly underestimating how much Jordan Burroughs makes and what his value is. The man had uh, the man had advertising deals with Polo and Chabani, and he gets paid handsomely from RTC. And if he wanted, to, you know, he's gonna take a he's gonna he could do clinics, he could do camps, he could be the head coach of a of a college wrestling program somewhere and, and be paid handsomely. The bottom line is he doesn't need he doesn't need MMA. And I feel like I feel like that was part of um Chael's thing. Was that like Jordan's basically saying, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And Chael's uh, like sort of offended by that. You shouldn't be offended that Jordan Burroughs doesn't need to go the MMA route. Uh, you should be glad that somebody 
wrestling wrestlers are finally starting to make a livable wage. If somebody's finally starting to make a living off wrestling, don't. But Chael went the opposite direction and poo pooed it and said, "Oh, you don't know your value." Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's no question. I don't. I think that was a little. I think he has a lot more value than than he was leading on. And um, yeah, I, I I read it as Jordan, you know, him saying, you know, at a zero or whatever. Not so much that um, he doesn't know his value or that he. I don't think he he realistically thinks. I don't think. Maybe he thinks he should get five hundred thousand dollars for his first fight. I don't think well, he Jordan believes Wilson, that's realistic. I think he was being a little uh, tongue in cheek with that. Well, to be fair, Jordan messed up too. Jordan, right, uh, Jordan messed up in the sense that, but it didn't. It shouldn't have elicited the response that it did from Chael, which Chael knew that wasn't accurate. But Jordan said. I, w- I wouldn't mind trying my hand in fighting. It's not about the money. It's not about the pride. It's to see where I'm at. Okay? So then Chael says $50,000, and Burrow says add a zero. Well, Jordan, you just said it's not about the money. So Jordan made an error there. But it shouldn't have elicited the response from freaking Chael that it did. Yeah, it was – yeah, I, I agree with that. A little, a little overkill there. Um all right, Chael versus Jordan. I like them both, so I didn't really want to pick a side, but I think Chael. I like Chael, them both, too. Yeah, well. I like Chael. I get what he's doing, but he, I get what he's doing, but he's a little disingenuous there, too. I'm going to tell you what. It's hard to get over. It's hard to get over him going on ESPN and treating wrestling like he did. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I saw Robert Howard's. He tweeted something like, "Hey, man, on behalf of the wrestling community, you can just be a, you can just be an MMA fighter now." Um, hey, that—that's what he alluded to. Yeah, that's what he alluded to. My sport. You're over there, red and green little thingies. Uh, you don't know your value. Keep your singlet on. Um, all right, Charles. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. He gets a little bit of a pass because I know he's a – I know it's gamesmanship. I know it's show business. Um, but but he shouldn't get a pass because he put that message out to everybody that has ESPN that watched that show. He put that stupid message out. Yeah. Also, the idea that – I mean, Michelle tweets at 50 grand UFC fight pass. I mean, that that's not really how deals get done with legitimate super – Jordan Burr is not going to be – seriously negotiating over Twitter. Do you th- was that a I mean, I don't think Chael honestly believes that was some sort of a contract negotiation going on via Twitter. Like Jordan has people. You Chael can get in touch with those people if he's actually serious about it. Send in a tweet and then expect his response to be like his actual response to a legitimate offer. I'm sure Jordan would listen, but also right now, I mean, it is s- stupid timing. Jordan's trying to win yeah. worlds. He's so not going to take a fight until if he's ever going to do it, which I seriously doubt he's ever going to do. But if he ever did it, you have to assume his his uh, career is going to be behind. He's not gonna, just going to show up and do a fight. He's going to train for it. He's never been in a fight in his in his life. Why would he do it now? All right. Yeah. We did it. Um, we did it. We really did it. Uh, Logan Steber really retired. He no longer wrestles anymore. Um, amazing career for, for Logan. Four-time Ohio State champion, four-time NCAA champion, world champion. Uh, you can stack that resume up against most wrestlers in the world and uh, well, in the country, I guess, because most can't win the NCAAs, and, and uh, they're they're gonna fall well short. Kind of, a, man. I feel like he was somehow as under the radar as a four-timer world champion can be for the last couple years. <laughs> Um, yeah. it, it's strange, you know, and even though he, he did lose his, uh, his senior year. So it's not like it was this foregone thing. Oh yeah. Logan's winning. Like he had, to, um, I guess he was undefeated his senior year. I'm thinking of the, the Zane year. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, regardless, he, um, you know, had an amazing career, but wasn't, wasn't the guy that was just like super polarized. I was like, 
Logan's amazing. He's really good. Had an awesome know, freestyle career. I think you're right. I think four timer and and it wasn't a four timer like um, like let's say like an Ed Ruth, right? Like mm-hmm. Ed Ruth had a good win his senior year of high school, and then went to college. It's not like a really good wrestler that bloomed late. I mean, Logan Stever was a star his freshman year of high school. Yeah, he was. He was making. He made the open quarters or semis. He made the open semis as a sophomore, senior level. Yeah, and so, about had Escobedo beat. Yeah, so I mean, this is a kid that his whole high school career is a star. His whole college career is a star. Denny is right at the top of the pecking order and the ladder. Makes the world team, wins worlds. Do you think it's? You think he was overshadowed by, I don't know, Dake Taylor? If, if Logan Stever wrestled in a different era, would he? Would, would would his star have shined a little brighter? I mean, different era. I mean, there's no better era to wrestle in than the one he wrestled in, in my opinion. Um, well, I'm talking about an era that didn't involve so many just like transcendent stars. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of that. I think a little bit is just personality. He's, I don't think he's actually a quiet guy, but his persona is is a little more understated. He never said anything that was, you know, remotely controversial or started. He just kind of did his thing, wrestled matches, and um, you know, I think on the on the periphery, he never did anything that was like, oh wow, I can't believe Logan said or did this. He just like entered tournaments and won them, and um was just kind of classy all the way through. So I think that was that may be a little bit a part of it. Did he have a did he have a real rivalry with anyone? He kind of had one with Tony, but he never lost to him, right? So as much of a rivalry as that can be. And then he went up to 41 his last 2 years. So it didn't really get um, and it, he you know, he never got to run it back against JO. That could have been a, a really cool thing. So maybe that's part of it too. Like there was never many storylines going into it into a lot of his matches. Yeah, you know, and in his in his later years, there was I mean, even up to last year, there were so many ups and downs. He would he'd beat like he beat Aliyev. Aliyev and then lose, then lose to what did he lose to at the Open? What? Ironman. You know, yeah, right. I mean, not that Ironman's not good, but you're beating Haji Aliyev and losing to Jaden Iron. Um. So it's a kind of odd thing. I mean, what was your? What do you think? Like, what's your most iconic Logan Steber moment? Man, um, iconic Steve. Well, one I'll always, man. I mean, worlds. He had like two to two or three like buzzer beaters. Of course, one is lost to the uh, forever. But I mean, that was pretty freaking iconic. He kind of always had that. I mean, I remember it beat the streets. I don't know if he was even in – I think he was in college. He was super young. And he he had a, a late turn to beat a Russian. It was like – I yeah. think it was the one where Burroughs beat Godoyev. Uh, I think it was the one against Russia. He did, he had that one or maybe not. It doesn't matter. So that was, that was pretty freaking iconic for me. As far as folk style – I don't know. what What's his iconic? I mean, he's beat so many good guys. He beat Jordan Oliver. He beat Tony Ramos. He beat Zane Rutherford twi- uh, twice. Yeah, he beat him at Big Tens and NCAAs, I want to say. So, um, I don't know. That That's it for me. I don't know. What do you have? Well, I mean, I think, I think there were lots of things. I mean, I think when I think of – when I think of – Logan Stever, I think of him like you say Logan Stever, I picture him chewing on his mouthpiece, giving a a fist bump, you know, or Mm -hmm. or raising his fist. Um, And that's how I remember. Uh, I mean, I think I think his iconic moment, I mean, even though the Jordan Oliver match was even though the Jordan Oliver match was, you know, um, controversial, Still winning that match was huge at the time. I mean, I thought he was going to get wrecked. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I think that's that was actually, you definitely... know, Willie. That's where we met. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, 
But it was after the mm-hmm, it was after the semis, and um, we were talking about that match, and you're like, I mean, of course you were all Jo all the way, but um, you're yeah. like, he's gonna kill him. He's like, it's a, it's it's not gonna be a thing, and you know, I thought he was gonna win too because Jordan kind of oh after the semis tooled him up a little bit and earlier in the year they met right yeah at national duels uh i think national duels and he beat him pretty soundly and uh so yeah there's that one i think the iconic like picture is tony yelling at him after big tens and him just like smiling and maybe his hand he's like shaking his hand like smile he's like why are you yelling at me like what yes he was was a cool cool customer i think that's probably like the picture um yeah Okay. Um, Fantastic so, career. So he's going to stay on Ohio RTC, yeah? That's what Coach Ryan tweeted, something like he's going to join Ohio RTC staff and going to open his own like club or something, start his own thing there. So obviously going to still be in the sport. That's great. Um, that People asking about the timing, why now, why. I think I have no idea. My thought is in his mind he's been done. Like he he you know he wasn't gonna compete anymore, and then he's like, wait, I should probably say something. I can't just like stop it. So then the U.S. Opens coming along, and people are like, where's Logan? Is Logan doing? And he's like, I guess I should tell people I'm not wrestling anymore. I'm glad. I'm glad he. I'm glad he said something. I think you know. For okay, you can't be a you can't be a bum. You can't be like like a scrub and be like yo. I'm putting out this statement, wrestling fans. I'm just telling you that I'm I'm retiring. Like I can't I can't do that, right? I can't um, I can't put out a statement that I have retired from wrestling. Although, if you're curious, yeah, I I have retired from wrestling. Um, well, more more of our stars should do that. I mean, there's how many times we're like, hey, I wonder why this guy hasn't been wrestling. Well, he's done. Uh, yeah, I mean, you should have said something. Yeah, you should, let us know. Uh, okay, Circle of Life. Logan Steber retired. Jared Freyer is entering wrestling tournaments again <laughs> at the U.S. Open. Uh, totally saw this coming. Didn't. Uh, and then it was funny. I Someone tweeted, Freyer entered. I was like, all right, let me check out. All right, he's entered at 65. No, not si- Okay, all right, he must be going 70. No. Wait. No. Oh, 74. Okay, big Jared. All right, so he's uh, entering the mix at 74 kilograms. That's uh, if you haven't watched Jared Frere, sick upper body style, and uh, glad he's in it. He looked like he's still like scraps. He looks to be in good shape, so I'm sure he's he's ready. Yeah. Um, what's um? I saw, you know, it was very hectic here yesterday with setting up for the tournament and and entries and all that jazz, but. but I saw. I guess we did. We put something out about sixty-five, and there was no, there was no Zane Rutherford and David Taylor was like, "Where's Zane?" And people were like, "Yeah, exactly. Where's Zane?" So Zane, so Zane, Zane isn't registered yet. Is that correct? Yeah, it's not correct. So, um, yeah, we do this all the time. You know, we look at the registration list because that's who we think is going to come and wrestle, and we're not mind readers. Here at Flow Wrestling, we don't know who is and who isn't wrestling. And also, Penn State guards entries like their nuclear codes. And sometimes they yell at you when you say someone's entering a tournament that's not entering a tournament, even if they've entered the tournament. Uh, so maybe we maybe hey. we're not gonna just say he's he's entering because we don't know. You know what? Well, he can feel we, free to say. What do we think? He's yeah, I think he's going to. Yeah. But, I mean, he took a whole year off last year, didn't enter. So, I don't know. I'll believe it when, when, he's, when he's in there. I think I've been told he's going to, but, um, you know, I didn't do that graphic anyways. But it doesn't, doesn't matter. He was just going by who's, who's entered. So, no one's – it's not a, a slight of Zane Rutherford. It's enter the tournament. And then yeah, we'll, of course. we'll blow you right. up. It's, uh, no one's – Saying he's not in the mix, he he might be my pick to win sixty five, um, if he's going, which I think he well he doesn't have to, but um did I mean, this is bad of me, 
that I have mm. to ask this question. But I've been out of the loop with this Flow National stuff going on. Oh, boy. Did J.O. enter? Did J.O. register? Yes. At 65? At 65. Okay. So, yeah, the 65 is looking freaking nails. Um, you've got – I'll just do a quick rundown. Futrell, Bryce Meredith, um, Dean Heil, Evan Henderson, Frank Molinaro, Jaden Ironman, Joey McKenna, Jordan Oliver, um, Caden Gefeller, yep. Kanan Store twice, Montel Marion. Yanni D. Yanni D. Yanni's in. Yeah, he's in. Dude, uh, the last time I looked was probably a week ago, and man, I tweeted 57, 61, 65, maybe 70. I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I get excited, but I don't I don't know if I've seen a field, a US open field that I was so excited about. I mean it's deep. It's really deep. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a great open. I mean I think fifty seven Given the stakes there for winning the Open, I think that's why that's why you're seeing so many studs enter. And 70 is going to be good. And, you know, that's without Nolf having registered yet. Penn State hasn't registered. So I think Nolf's going to wrestle as well at 70. So he makes that incredibly interesting. Green's entered there. So we could have Green, Nolf, uh, Brandon Sorensen, Pantelio. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really tough uh, – first couple weights and then it thins out a little bit we get a couple more roofers and stonemasons involved but um dude did you see that one guy's tweet oh i guess i should wait for questions or friends that was hilarious what do you know he said when you tweeted we need questions he tweeted do you think roofers and stonemasons laugh scoff at the idea of podcast hosts entering the open uh, yes, I I would hope they would. Listen, pod, fine, yes. podcast hosts. Interchange podcast hosts with stone masons and roofers. It's fine. It's just as preposterous, me wrestling Jordan Burroughs, <laughs> as it is the the local roofer. Listen, here's the thing. It really is. If you enter the open and someone asks you, what is your job, and the first words aren't wrestling coach or wrestler, I don't think you should enter the open. That's my thought. Right. I think I think wrestlers should be entering the US US Open. If you're if you're oh I teach, oh I do this, oh I'm a podcast host, oh I'm a CPA. No, do not enter. That's what I want wrestlers. No, don't enter. Okay? Sorry. I'm sorry I'm cutting down on registration potentially for the US Open. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think anyone is entering or not entering what. based on my takes. But that's just that's USA just my personal opinion. probably wants all professions. The more <laughs> professions that enter the US Open the more registration money for USA Wrestling. That's true. So y- you can enter. Just don't wrestle. You're not allowed to wrestle Jordan or yeah, Jake or David Taylor. You're, you don't get to wrestle those guys. That's Those are the rules. Uh, okay. Now, hey, is Kyle Brackey around? Yeah. Can you can you talk for like 30 seconds and I will get Kyle Brackey to do Alien Hour? Yeah, we'll do it. All right. So Willie's going to go right, yeah. get Kyle Brackey for Alien Hour. So – um, it's, it's a little different show because, you know, as you can see, if you're watching live, Willie is leaving a little suite there in Indiana, PA, uh, cause we're not, we're not doing, we don't have our normal setup. So Willie's getting Kyle cause we are going to do alien hour cause nothing stops this train from going full alien hour. So that's going to happen. We're going to get him. We have a lot of really, really solid questions from friends. Oh, it looks like Bracky's back. No 30 seconds needed. Um, he's already back in the mix. Kyle Brackey, can you hear me? I can. Wow. This is really happening, dude. Um, it's good to be on. How are you doing? How's everything in India? Is Willie okay? It's everything good. good. Yeah, yeah. Willie's good. Um, I roomed with him. He made some terrible sounding noises last night. Um, but do not be alarmed. He's okay. Um, we have had some nice throws here early. Early on in the Greco action, the kids are letting it fly. So going good so far. All right. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear it, and I'm glad to have you on because Kyle Brackey, uh, nothing stops. I was telling the listeners, nothing stops the Alien Hour train, not even Flow Nationals. Yeah. So I'm going to kick no. it to you. It is time for Kyle Brackey's Alien Hour. Yeah. And, you know, last week took a lot of heat with the Ozark Howler, maybe not um, a danger enough, dangerous enough cryptid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, uh, we stepped it up big time, and uh, we're gonna focus on the Pope Lick Monster. Um, Pope P O P E. Yes, Lick Monster. Okay, wow. and so uh, Louisville, Kentucky, is the setting, and in the 1930s, this guy he had a, a traveling circus carnival roadshow uh, that he would take through the South, and uh, one day someone dropped off this baby to them and was like here like this this baby was like found at the, the in a field mm-hmm. and we think it'd be like good for you guys because this baby had like like little like horns like protruding through its head and it was like what is going on here and he's like the guy who led the circus is like oh this is like my cash cow this is going to be like a freak that i show off and this thing turns into like it's a man but it has a goat head Okay, oh and so gosh. its whole life, it's just like chained up and like paraded around, and it's the star of this circus. And then you know they would they would travel the circus would travel by railroad. And one night, there's a big thunderstorm, lightning hits the railroad tracks, and then it messes them all up, so it causes the train to crash. So when the train crashes, the goat is able to like break out of its chains, and it just. It finally is able to like get its hands on the people that have been like, you know, keeping him locked up and chained up, and he and he kills the survivors that were remaining, and it happened near this bridge in outside of Louisville, Kentucky, and you know this one has some serious bodies. Like we said, the Ozark Haller didn't have bodies. Like he yeah. wasn't going to attack people. This one has bodies. Um, oh. So nowadays to. Uh, bridge where he like the t- crash happened at um it's still run like bro uh trains still run over top of it and everything um and of course this it's a you know a big legend in the parts so of people will go and like try to find it or like see it and it like some people say it hypnotizes you or um it i don't know it just brings you to the tracks this public monster oh. does and you you can't hear the trains coming. And so then you either get run over by the train or he just takes you. And this is what's crazy about it is three people, like legit people have died trying to find this thing. Oh no. So they've, they've been out there on the bridge and they either fall off the bridge because the train's coming and they're trying to get like, not get hit by the train and they fall off. So a person died and, um, 78 and then eight, uh, 1977 and then 1978. And then a lady got hit by a train in 2016. And so they're tough. trying to find this thing. Oh, yes, no. they're trying to find this thing. Like her boyfriend survived. And he was like, Yeah, we literally went there because she wanted to go look for this hopelick monster. And he's like, We couldn't hear the train coming. And they're out there on this bridge. Yes. And the bridge is 90 feet above the ground. It's a pretty scary looking bridge. And so that was, like, it, one of the things they say. It, like, lures you onto this bridge, and then you can't hear the train coming until it's too late. Does the Poplick monster have, like, the Bose noise-canceling headphones power? And then you just, like, can't hear? Like, yeah. you can't hear airplanes, you can't hear trains? Did Bose that's why, steal that's the technology why from the Poplick monster? Yes, possibly. Crap. So they were able to figure out how he's able to hypnotize people, and they put it in their headphones. Mm-hmm. This is a bad one. I really don't like this one. I right. don't like I don't <laughs> I like, like goat hybrid anything. There's a lot of satanic stuff with goats. Uh, yes. And that's yeah. that's what's uh, ultimately really scary about this one. So this is like a circus freak that got free when the train crashed <laughs> and now he's just hypnotizing people on a bridge and they're getting run over by trains cuz they can't hear because of boys Bose noise canceling headphones. Correct. Or he or he takes them. There are some stories of like supposedly him dropping down and taking the people but uh it mainly focuses around him like somehow manipulating you to where you cannot hear the train coming until it's way too late and if you look at the bridge it's like it's super narrow like you can't just move to the left or right and get out of the train's way super narrow so you would like almost fall off the edge and that's how this guy in 2016 said he survived he's like i was literally hanging over the edge just like holding on yeah and he had like mark on his arm from where the train like scraped his arm holy crap 
Uh, yeah, there's a, there's an article in the uh, Louisville Courier Journal I read this morning about it. It's pretty wild stuff. What a pro. I mean, Kyle always does his research. He knows the thing. I, I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Um, mm-hmm. There've been a number of deaths. Do we have the a, the exact um, death count, or do, are you are you prepared to? Assign... I believe, like, actually confirmed deaths. I think it's three, mm. but that's like people they found and were like, okay, that's like they a were minimum doing this. Number. Right. Exactly. That's 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 we found their bodies afterwards because this lady got hit by the train and then like thrown off the bridge in 2016. Mm. Um, but so yeah, these were like found bodies, but we don't know who else went out there on their own looking and never came back. And never came back. Um, so okay, I mean, it's, ti- it's time to a, assign a danger rating. What is the Kyle Brackey danger rating? I mean, if you venture out into the Popelik State Forest, I believe it's called, you're at a nine because you literally can't control how this, how the monster is gonna like put you in a trance you know and lead yeah. you out onto the tracks if you're not in the area you're fine like it's not like a bigfoot where it's like all over the world it's just in that woods in that like state forest um but if you're there it's a nine wow that's pretty high because There's only you, one you, number you, that beats it you, yeah exactly you can't control your body at that point the only reason it's not a 10 is because like this guy this one guy survived you know mm-hmm. like so there is ways to survive. It's just very rare. You just have to be extremely mentally tough for being, yeah. being able to focus to to beat the public monster. All right. Well, this was great. Um, very good stuff. Solid Alien Hour. Definitely a scary one. The, the bloodthirsty listeners of Kyle Brackey's Alien Hour, I think they'll be satiated with this one because this one, extremely yeah. dangerous. We've got a, a circus Please freak. Please don't go looking for this guy. Yeah. Don't go looking for him. You know, I think we we might need to get the legal department involved and make sure we're not creating such a such a frenzy behind finding these monsters that you know we're putting our listeners in harm's way, and that would be the last thing I would ever want to happen as a result of Kyle Brackey's Alien Hour. Yeah, uh, we're not legally responsible for this yeah. at all. Yeah, so you literally cannot. Don't sue try us. it. After we've said this, no. Now you can't sue us. So <laughs> leave us alone. All right, well, Kyle, well. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, if you want to, yeah, do you want me to see if Nomad's other... over there? What What's Nomad doing? Oh, you want me to see if he's over there? We got this nice little suite with food and stuff in it. It's pretty cool. Uh, he's not eating. Um, why don't <laughs> get get uh? I don't care who comes back, but we're gonna do we're gonna do questions with friends. It, pro- it probably should be Willie. Okay. Okay, I'll grab. All right, him. I'll stall. I'll Bye stall. friends. Okay, thanks, Bracky. All right, there it was, the Alien Hour. Um, okay, I'll do a question that was for me since, um, you know, Willie's not back yet. And it's a little bit of a, a different show. Okay, someone asked, Ross Bray asked, what is the current landscaping situation for me? Still getting it free, and do I still run a tornado drill every time they show up? So, okay, yes, there was a period of time in my life, a couple years, where a landscaping crew would just show up and mow my lawn for reasons I never knew. Oh, snap. It's Andrew Spey. Hey, Andrew, what's up? Hey, what's up, buddy? These guys in. Hey, what's going on? What brings you on, Andrew? Nope. Nope. No. Oh, gosh. This is, see, this is why you try to have a guy on, and now look what he's done. He can't even hear us. Okay, I hear you now. Oh, okay, great. Now he can hear me. Spey, what are you doing, man? I get in. There we go. I'm doing good. Watching a little Greco, chilling. Every Nomad is, uh, I don't know, freaking out about something. Willie's trying to get everything working, and uh, Kyle is just monitoring everything. Oh, okay. So Willie's not coming back on. I don't. I think it's. I think I'm all you got. Sorry. All right. All right. Hey, you know we'll take it. Well, it's time for questions from friends. They didn't ask you, but um, I think they would be okay if you uh, answered some of these questions. I was. Um, handling a question that was to me specifically because people used to mow my lawn for a couple years there and we would always hide when they showed up because we didn't want them to ask for money or anything because we didn't know why it was happening. I'm oh, sad to that's report. Right. I remember that story. I'm the sad road, to report. Uh, lawn that, yeah, those days are no more. Um, no one comes and mows my lawn. I mow my lawn, which I'm fine with. I've done that most of my life. Uh, and, and I'm okay to have that period of time behind me. So, yes, I'm mowing my lawn uh, on a 
you know, bi-weekly basis. Now, questions. Um, let's see. Why do facilities matter for college program? Uh, is it a signal that the administration is committed to wrestling, but is, does a bigger, nicer room really matter? Um, well, my, my answer to this, they, they matter a lot. And it's not, it's, I think it's twofold. It's one, there's a, a, a utility convenience factor that I think is, that can't be um, underrated. The idea that you can, you have a, a wide area where you can train. The fact that you can have all the necessary weightlifting and nutrition stuff all in one place is really important to guys. But I think also it, it does send a signal that, hey, this is a program that is committed to the sport and is investing in the sport. And there's literal proof right here in this building. And I, I, I know what it meant to, to Minnesota when we went up there and how proud they were. And, you know, just all the different new things they had compared to their training facility previously. So I think it matters in a in a huge way and you know look at look at college football and look at that arms race there and you know is, is that just a recruiting ploy I, I don't think it's just that I think there is there is something to it uh, yeah I agree and um, you know I think it, the, the first uh, benefit is going to be bringing wrestlers on bringing recruits on and they see that and it's just cooler you just want to go to a campus that has cooler stuff. It's why uh, campuses are putting lazy rivers around their dormitories because they want to attract students that uh, have cooler stuff, or that, or the students want to go somewhere that where the universities have cooler stuff. But then beyond that, uh, there are practical things. You can fit more guys on the mat. You can have better workouts, and you have better equipment. And these PCs aren't staying in, but yeah. So same. The Iowa board. Hawkeyes, uh, they're they're looking to. Ha- upgrade their facility should tom brands consider a lazy river now it's, it's kind of cold sometimes in iowa city but i still think you consider a lazy river you don't rule it out immediately you, you at least price it out for tom brands all right yep. price it out speaking of tom brands someone asks uh colin uh will speculation on lee gilman brands decision tree and the reasoning lee isn't entering 57 kilograms are they trying to avoid the ramos uh, Gilman, but I think he means Ramos Dennis issue from years before. Um, I don't think that's, I mean, you're not, you're, you're not solving the problem. If you're just saying, okay, I don't want this athlete to get mad at me. So don't enter tournaments, Spencer Lee. That doesn't make sense. Right? Like, uh, I think the the Ramos Dennis situation was very different for a lot of different reasons, and I don't think that this is something where, hey, we don't want this to happen again. So Spencer, don't. What well, what's that can help? If Spencer wanted to wrestle and was being told not to wrestle, how do you think that would sit with him? That would create a rift in its own. Spencer, I just don't think wants to enter tournaments. That that's my opinion. He didn't. He was yeah, wrestling amazing last year. Everything's gonna be. Go everything's gonna be an individual decision. Everything's gonna be unique. And, you know, having a logjam of guys on the same team going for the same weight, I mean, that happens in college, it happens for international, and they wrestle each other in the room, so, it, I don't know, doesn't really solve anything, like you said. Yeah, I, I don't think they're they're trying to avoid any sort of tension. I think Spencer's prerogative is to not compete right now in freestyle, and and that's, that's all it is, and I think he will for 2020, but I don't see him trying to make the team in 2019 just like he didn't in 2018. So, that's my reasoning. It doesn't maybe map to like what we've known about Spencer Lee throughout his career as a guy with major freestyle aspirations, but he's not pursuing them right now. And maybe he'll enter the trials. Uh, he's qualified for the trial. So him not entering the open doesn't mean anything other than he's not super interested in a buy to final X, but I, my opinion is that he's not going to compete at all. And uh, I don't think this is Tom Brand saying, Hey, don't enter because I don't want some tension. They'll, they'll figure that out if, if it happens. Um. So here, Anthony Terlizzi. If Jordan Burroughs wins a world title this year, an Olympic title in 2020, does he retire after that or does he keep going? Well, I think, you know, Jordan has basically said, I think he said in an interview with either Bader or maybe it was with Ariel, like, like I've got a year and a half left to do this, meaning, you know, Tokyo 2020 is the stopping point, which I, I you know, um, which I believe is is the plan. I think he's done it 2020. Now, is there going to be a temptation if he if he run, goes back to back? There's there's that dichotomy of, man, do I want to go out 
I mean, there's is there a better way to go out than to go out Olympic champion? No. But then there's also that, man, I'm still the best in the world. Am I really going to leave when I'm on top? Am, am, I, am I leaving, you know, some titles behind? But I think that he won't because if he does, and, you know, we're, we're assuming he makes a team two years in a row and that he wins world and Olympics. But if he does that, that'll put him at seven, which is one ahead of John. Um, now he won't, I mean, he can't do the six for six. That's not happening because it didn't happen. Right. But he can have more. He can retire is like the most winningest, the most titles for uh, an American wrestler. Uh, so I, I see him 100% hanging it up regardless after 2020. But I mean, part of me, I, I certainly think that, that Jordan Burroughs prime could extend beyond 2020. Now we still have a year and a half and we'll see, maybe we'll start to see, uh, uh, a deterioration from Jordan Burroughs, but I don't know. We haven't seen it yet. Maybe we, with uh, technology and training these days, who knows? Go. One curveball. So let's say Burroughs retires from uh, freestyle competition. Now you got uh-huh. beach wrestling. Three minute periods. You're not going on the mat. Uh, you know, the competitions aren't as big of a deal yet, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens in a few years. Just throwing I, that curveball out there. I love that curveball, Spay, and I think I think beach wrestling should be a great like landing spot for the somewhat retired, the twilight of your career uh, elite guys. If they all went there and they can build this into something, and it's a lot less stress in three minutes and his first to three points. I think Jordan Burroughs could yeah. <laughs> do that until he's forty-five. Hey, if J.D. Hawkins is still entering the U.S. Open, uh, Jordan Burroughs <laughs> should should be allowed to should continue to wrestle, do the sand wrestling thing. Um. Okay, Nick Ross. We're kind of getting a dream match between Askren and Burroughs. I say kind of because Ben obviously not his prime. But question: uh, What two guys would you pick to be your dream match domestically? Um, Spay, I'll let you start this one. Unless, unless your brain's right, broken. Under the gun. Dream matchup domestically. Um, I know this may have been talked about, but if we could get like Snyder and uh, Daniel Cormier. I know Cormier's uh, uh, reaching up there in the ages, um, but he's obviously still got a lot of uh, 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 you know strength and power left. And seeing those two guys mix it up together, I don't know. I don't think Cormier really wants to, but I would like to see it. I think Snyder would just destroy him. Um, Cormier's the man, but like even at his highest heights of wrestling powers, he wasn't Snyder. Um, here's my, mine. Often involve Kale Sanderson, and I don't know if it's I'd like to see Kale versus Snyder. That would be I would certainly not turn down the opportunity to watch if, that either. Uh, that would be my first choice, and also domestically, one other one. This is a lot more realistic. Uh, but Dayton Fix Spencer Lee haven't seen it since 2015, and I really want to see it again because uh, last time yeah. we wrestled, it was amazing, and I want it to happen again uh, because man, it was. Incredible. I'd like to see a lot of uh, Penn State guys like Bo Nickel and Jason Nolf just in like a round robin with a lot of guys that we haven't seen them against yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 65 kilogram round robin with J.O. and uh, all the names of Zane and people I'm forgetting, but that would be fun too. Yeah. Um, this would have been a good one for Willie, so I'm not going to ask it. But it was which wrestlers are prime examples of weight matters, which there's – Examples of weight doesn't matter. Open for interpretation. I think that, that has a lot to do with freestyle. I think Haji Aliyev is a great example. We kind of talked about him. I think domestically, I think Logan is a little bit of a, a a casualty there. I think he was a little small at 65, but too big for 61. I mean, um, you know, who are some tweeners from 74 to 86? You know, I'm sure there's plenty of those, but that's what came to my mind. Um Someone said, what if Kyle Dake enters the U.S. Open? Is that allowed? Yes, my name is Jeff. Uh, he can enter. And someone, this rumor mill, just complete rumor mill propaganda here. Nothing confirmed. I'm just literally distributing rumors in mass to uh, all of you. But I'm, I heard that Dake might enter and wrestle a couple matches at the Open. We'll see if he does that. I think it, would, it, would, it. it, may, it makes sense because he hasn't wrestled since Worlds. And you would think you would need a little something before going to the trials as he's going to, you know, or I guess he wouldn't. Yeah, he won't wrestle till Final X. So he won't wrestle the World Team Trials. So I, I think it makes sense for him to get some matches at the Open. Uh, 
but I don't know if he will. But I will certainly distribute that rumor. Um, um, here's a good question. Regardless of whether they make the 2020 team or not, do you think guys like Taylor Date, Cox, Quiz, Snyder, and others go through another Olympic cycle? Um, Spay, why don't you just kind of line them up one by one? Who do you think goes through 2020? Who do you think doesn't? Say that. So, um, Jaden Cox, Cox Snyder, David oh, Taylor. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Kyle you don't Dick. have the doc. Um, yeah. All right. David Taylor, do you think he goes beyond 2020? Yeah, I, David Taylor to me is a guy that uh, is, just lives and breathes wrestling. So it's almost like as long as he's he's going to extend that as far as possible, uh, and I hope he does for everybody's sake. So Kyle, I can see that definitely happening. Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake, same way. I mean, saw the documentary. The, they both are wrestling, live wrestling, and uh, the only thing is is hopefully injuries. Kyle Dake after college seemed to have been a little snake bitten. Would be the only thing I could see. I think I think back. Dake is more. I, I I think Taylor probably continues. Um, I think I think with Dake, it'll depend how these next two years go. Um, if he goes out and he makes, you know, he wins seventy nine this year, and then he makes the team at seventy four, maybe. He, but I I think with his injury history, is he gonna say, all right, I'm ready to be, you know, I'll be the next head. He's gonna be the next head coach at Cornell, I believe. So. If if he if that's what he's interested in doing, I could see him saying, you know what, I'm ready to transition into coaching. Obviously, Dake at his age will certainly have four prime years left after 2020. But the the question is, you know, a lot of guys they don't sign up for. You don't just say, okay, 20. I'll just do 2021 or 2022. I mean, Logan Stever did. He stopped kind of mid quad. But for the most part, you're kind of like, am I going to do another four or not? Um, so we'll see what, what he decides to do. Um, then we've got Jaden Cox. I have no idea what he's going to do. Um, will he wrestle beyond 2020? I, I think probably so. Uh, that's another one, um, where he's going to have, he has injuries. It doesn't seem to have been too much of a problem for him and he should have, uh, the longevity to keep going. I mean, he went right into international right after college, um, so uh, he keeps winning. So I say, let's keep him going. Oh, I mean, I say, I hope so. Anyway, and Kyle Snyder is one. Um, you know, he said he wanted to wrestle in like five, six Olympics, and then, but sometimes he says he wants to fight, and sometimes uh, he's kind of all over the place. But I think, yes, he will definitely compete beyond twenty twenty. Yeah, I think they're going to have to drag Kyle Snyder off the mat at the end yeah. of his career. Um, yeah, or- I think it's going to go as long as as he can physically do it. Or out of the squat rack, one or the other, because the man loves to lift. Um, okay, will 2020 fi- follow the final X process? No, no, he will not. It will not. It will not be the same thing. They will have a kind of similar thing. Whoa, Spay, you shrunk. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, that that happened. Wow. Hey, How you doing? This is quite a revolving door. I don't. I don't. You know, just when I'm starting mm-hmm. to get some chemistry. A little, you know, and then you switch it out. But you know what? I'm not gonna let it phase me. Uh, I'm glad you're here. The wrestling Damn. nomad Daniel Lobdell is on. What's up, buddy? Hey, man, just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to make sure Flow Nats is flowing smoothly. We had the uh, seeds well, did terrible. We've had like four one seeds lose already, so that's fun. But we got got some awesome matches coming up. Semifinals, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you're watching. The, uh, again, this is for Pan Am team, so make sure you're watching. But Wait, having a good four, time over here four, in Indiana. Hold Christian. on, four one seeds lost. Who seeded this tournament? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Some, Did y'all use U Dub seeding criteria? Sure. <laughs> no, Did man, s- kids just balling out. Someone won Oceania Phil and got Valencia the one got seed. Tech by some kid from Kentucky. Kentucky always comes to party, man. Yes, you don't. You don't have to tell me. Um, all right, this is from Nomad's Worst Take. So I'm glad you're here. If a high school freshman can only participate on one pre-postseason tournament, which one is most important for rankings? Hashtag FRL questions. I think I know this answer. All right, so this one, this one's, I I think it's easy, but, so first of all, you should always go based on what level you are, right? You don't, don't, don't just do something to do something. But if you're of that caliber, I think Super 32 for folk style and Akron for freestyle. 
are the best ones to you do. You just pick two. You can pick one. For well, ranking. Super 32. Yeah. That's that was what, that's what I was going to say. I think it's Super 32 as well. Now, if you get to be a um, kind of a – if you're like 17 and you start entering juniors and you can win like UWW juniors, that would be uh, maybe – I mean, because that's when you're literally wrestling against um, college guys. So that would be my sure. one kind of caveat, but not every high school wrestler. And he says high school freshman. So throw that out. Throw that out. Sorry, Nomad's worst take. That was my worst take. Ah. <laughs> I don't know if I should ask you this one, but I thought this was a great question from Nomad's Worst Take. If you could get okay. one direct, non-elusive, and honest answer out of Kale Sanderson, what question would you ask him? And that's it's interesting because I've interviewed Kale like once or twice, and I always go into it knowing that he's not direct and elusive. So I'm always like trying to frame the question in a way that he will – Sort of give me, but so I've never really thought about like, what if I could just straight up ask him a question? I don't know what it would be. I think it would be, why, why did you not continue to compete when you were clearly world class from 2004 to 2011, and you probably still are right now? Like, what was it about that? Because, because I remember him saying like, when he was kind of getting questioned about why why are you coming back he said like you kind of wondered if you always if you used all your gifts or if you used what you were given and stuff like that so i, I think that's part of it w- with him but like why what ultimately was it about competing that you were just like i don't want to do this anymore i think that's a good one i would because like he, he's so far removed from his competition career at this point i would this one, this is a really good question because I wasn't expecting it, but I, I want to ask him something about the dynasty, right? Something like, you know, what? Because there's a million things that go into making a team number one eight eight times in nine years. But if he could just be 100% direct and honest, what is the one thing that really changed it, right? Like, how big was Andrew Long coming? How big is Ira Luberto's support? How big is keeping the coaching staff around. So it, it's kind of a wide-ranging question, but if you could kind of if you kind of pick one thing that set all this in motion, set the eight titles, nine years in motion, what would it be? Yeah, mine would probably be training-related now that I think about it. Like, they do not – I mean, they don't want people in their practice room. They, I, I, I don't think they do anything, like, radically different. Like, we would go in the room and be like, wow, they – eat pop tarts before practice i didn't expect that like i i think they do but i think there is some aspect of how they train or like what is the one thing you guys do or what what is it about your your the training that you these guys are just so optimized and so consistently optimized and they wrestle so well um because it's not just i mean how do you get anthony cassar to beat gable stevenson twice like how do you how do you get to this point um and does it go back to the, the the Martin Floriani question that he asked everyone back in the day, mental or physical? Like how much of it is this mental preparation that these guys go through? I don't know. It'd be tough to, to boil it down to one question because I, I have a lot for the man and uh, I'll probably, probably never really get to ask him. Okay. Um, what other questions can we ask? NCAA attendance numbers are out. What do you think is better, to sell out a 5,000-seat arena every match or have 7,000 fans in a 14,000-seat arena? Nomad, go. I'm sorry. You could have to question. I believe the question was something about NCAA attendance, right? Could you read it back for me one time? I'll read it back one more time for you, brother. Um, what is better, to sell out a 5,000-seat arena every match or have 7,000 fans in a 14,000-seat arena? Option A, a hundred percent. You, I want a suffocating environment. Like, um, it's not, it's not five thousand, but uh, West Gym felt suffocating this year. Um, Rutgers, uh, the rack felt suffocating this year. The uh, rec hall felt suffocating this year. I want, I want the opposing team to feel as. I want to create an environment where the opposing team could feel as uncomfortable as possible. So. Well, I- I think Absolutely, sell out the small arena. You're talking about um, from a competition angle, which I agree with that. But I also think that, like, if you are creating that level of demand, it, 
you should like that. That is just so much better for your program than like I can walk up and go to a match today, no problem. Anytime. Mm-hmm. There's just something to be said for like the economy you can build when there's like scarcity around going and watching your team compete. Um, it, it makes it that much more special, and it, you know I think it increases the viewership um, inside and outside of the arena. So I think it is better to do that. Um, so, well, yes. and that's just like in, in business too. Right. Um, if you look at if you look at like some clothing lines, right, and you're like, why did they only make 50 of these? And so they can charge a lot of money so that and that people buy them immediately and they know it's going to sell out and people crave the scarcity. So there's like there's business mindset to it, too. So, yeah, that, that that's a good point, Christian. We should make one flow wrestling shirt and sell it. One. Let's six thousand dollars to Martin Screlly. <laughs> there you go. Um the average, I think you'll like this question from our guy, Sam Herring, which apparently, according to my Twitter feed, they just dropped another Home Mat Advantage podcast. So make sure you check that out if you get the chance. Um, you won't be sorry. Now, Sam Herring, the official middle school wrestler of Flow Wrestling, asks that or says the average time spent coaching the USA men's national team last couple of years, about seven years. Seeing how Zadik is just getting started, who would be a good option to take that job over in approximately five years? Now, it's kind of funny because um, it's like, all right, let's, let's get the next guy in here. But I see what he's saying because we went from Coach Jackson and Terry to um, Coach Jones and Slay, and now it's Zadik. Um, so who's next? Well, it's it's tough. Go ahead, Nomad. Look like he had something. Well, I was just going to say that's an excellent – it's an excellent question by a young fan to kind of know that and, and, and go back and, and do the research on that. Because the thing is, up until sometime in the 90s, maybe even early 2000s, Team USA did not have a full-time head coach, right? It was kind of always a rotating thing, and you were, oh, the Olympic coach this year is this guy because he's got three, four guys on the team. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that he he brought that uh, the seven years thing to to our attention. I would say – it has to be somebody who's who's associated with it now, right? Like I don't think it could be somebody who's still competing right now because you look at, you know, Zadik helped build that pipeline for years, right? And it was it was it was Zadik and Slay helping to build the pipeline, and then obviously Coach Slay now at Penn RTC. Um, so I, I, it would have to be somebody who's there and um, is very good at managing all the RTCs. So this is an excellent question. Well, okay. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, it has to be someone that's on top of the trends that are changing. Obviously, if you could get someone like Kale or John Smith in, in that role, it would be awesome. Uh, you know, I think about someone like, would Mark Perry want to be in a role like this at some point, being at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club? Maybe. Um, I don't know who the next guy, next guy up is, but I think Zadik's well suited for the job, and hopefully. We'll get more than seven years uh, out of Coach Zadix. He's he's the man. Um, but it is a different kind of job. It's not like uh, a day in day out thing. There's a lot of administrative and um, diff- various aspects of it. Okay, what other questions? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have much else. Anything stuck out to you? Anything on your mind, Nomad? You would like to discuss? No, just like I said when I first came on, you know, I got I'm focusing on uh flow nats here and, and today's uh day one of Greco, so I'm just really focusing on, on that and, and trying to piece together who's gonna be on our uh Pan Am team. So that's that's really got me looking. Plus I don't have access to the doc, so I can't pick out any of the questions. And uh, well, I wasn't in here cer- when the other three guys were in here. Certainly do too. have I shared the doc with you. But um yeah, I just I don't know whose computer this is. So I don't oh, know. got it. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, one last question. So we did the NCAA matches we wish we could reverse, right? Um, and mine was Dennis Ness. And uh, he said, what would our – if we expanded that to freestyle, what would it be? Um, and that's a good question. I have my answer. Do you have yours, Nomad? If we expanded it to freestyle – See, I don't know because uh, when we talked about people complaining about the 2016, right, when Monero won, there's not many times where I've been like, yeah, we sent the wrong guy. So I would have to think about 
Well, it could be. But there's no time in the last five or six years. What I mean, but be... okay, fine. Then, then uh, Burrow's beating Sargush, right? Like one of those matches. I would have said Godoyev. Um, Burrow's Godoyev Olympics would probably be mine for sure. Um, that's that's I, that is the that is the saddest I have ever been after a wrestling match in my life, like including, <laughs> well. No, as a fan, as a coach, there's ones that really messed me up bad. But um, this, like, affected me. <laughs> so I would say Burroughs Godoyev, like, way more than a sports thing ever should. Like, it's totally lost perspective, but it really freaking bummed me out. So I would say Burroughs Godoyev. Well, you remember that day in the office? Yeah. It was like it was, one of our aunts died. It was, everyone was like, how you guys doing? <laughs> like, everyone knew. Like, like even the non-wrestling people were like, Burroughs. Ah, oh, sorry, man. Like everyone's like, a, like I don't know, showing all this empathy towards us. Um, so yeah, it would be that for me for sure. But I don't know any any. Maybe others. Snyder said July of last year. Yeah, the the reason I didn't pick that one is because he already he beat him, and it's like for for that wasn't a career legacy defining moment for Kyle. Kyle's like twenty two. Right, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's gonna get to reverse it. I was like, Jordan Burroughs may not get to do this again. Who knows what's gonna happen? Or at the time, I was like, is it over? Is this it for Jordan? Yeah. He wrestled so badly relative to how we've ever seen him at these competitions. Right, he had never really lost at, at Worlds or Olympics. The one time he did was was he had a completely jacked up knee. Right, so we'd never really seen him be healthy and wrestle bad, and it happened. So you're like, well, wait, maybe this is just it. So there was that, and I was like, he's not going. Kyle Snyder's going to get. He'll wrestle Sajulayev in the finals this year, probably. Right, and probably in Tokyo, yeah. and he's got so much opportunity to reverse it and and change that outcome. Whereas Jordan, at that point in time, I was, wasn't sure he, he'll get to, and he'll never get to avenge Godoyev because you know he's he's since run for the hills. So, which we talked about. Um, on the last show. So that's it. I think that's a good one to end on. Um, LJ or Lucius as uh, for whatever reason, Nomad always calls LJ Lucius. You can play the outro music if you're ready. Um, we are ready. Uh, and we are thankful that you guys have tuned in for uh, 370 episodes of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I hear the music. There we go. Um, shout out to the Wrestling Nomad for hopping on. Andrew Spay for hopping on uh, Willie Saylor and Kyle Brackey for bringing the alien hour to the people so this weekend we've got Flow Nats and uh, then it's open week baby and uh, we'll be getting ourselves to Las Vegas and uh, that's about it for Christian Piles or for Daniel Lobdell I'm Christian Piles and we'll see you next Tuesday thanks guys <laughs>